2: hope all of you are having a fantastic Monday. I was just breaking down the college football playoff picture. and It occurs to me maybe one more uh, little caveat I could dive into. So I said my prediction based on everything that you look at right now as we come into conference championship weekend. And let me just say props to the ACC, props to the SEC, props to the Big 12. All the Corona bros out there said there's no way to play the college football season And not only have we been able to play the college football season, we've done it in those three conferences with crowds present. And as a result, I think not only are we going to crown a champion in the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC this weekend, this Saturday, we're also going to do it with crowds present again, which is impressive. But arguably, there's going to be no argument at all for there to be an asterisk that needs to be present. Because if Alabama wins they'll be the only SEC team to ever go 11-0 and in a conference. I mean, this is not just a championship. This is arguably the most legitimate SEC football champion there's ever been because Alabama's already 10-0, which is one more victory than anybody's ever had in an SEC football season. And look, I'd love to see Iowa State beat Oklahoma, but they played the full schedule in the Big 12 like they always do. And... Iowa State would be great to see, but whether Iowa State or Oklahoma hoist that trophy, 100% legitimate there. And whoever wins the ACC, with Notre Dame in the conference, arguably Clemson, this is going to be the toughest ACC championship game they've ever played. And so all three of those champions are going to be unquestioned champions, arguably, I keep saying arguably, because everything in college football is an argument, I believe all three of those champions are going to be three of the greatest champions that have ever won their leagues, no matter who you compare them to, because of the number of games that they will have won in conference. Now, Ohio State, decent chance to get in. Texas A&M, decent chance to get in. I think that's basically it. Texas A&M beats Tennessee. It's going to come down to Ohio State against Texas a and I believe, really for the final argument. Uh, if you are a big Texas A&M fan, you want either Northwestern to win or you would want for Notre Dame to win because that opens up two spots potentially in the event that one of those outcomes happens. So we'll see what exactly ends up happening in college football. But my prediction one more time, I think Alabama will be the one seed. I think Clemson will be the two and beat Notre Dame. I think that uh, Ohio State will be the three because they'll want to avoid playing Clemson and Notre Dame again. And so I think we'll get a procedural adjustment in terms of the seeding. And I think Notre Dame will be your four seed. And and that Texas A&M will end up being the team that is left just outside. Okay, that is the college football uh, landscape. We're about to talk with Sean Merriman, by the way, break everything down with him. What were the big takeaways in the NFL games that we have seen so far? To me, the biggest takeaway is that the Steelers are not a team that needs to be feared. And that the Buffalo Bills, as I told you I thought they would, would handle the Steelers. And that's exactly what they did in the second half of this game in particular, or basically in the final 31 minutes, essentially from the moment they picked off Big Ben at the end of the half. And the Bill defense held the Steelers to only 224 yards. And to me, the big takeaway again is the Steelers can't run the football. They had 17 rush attempts for 47 yards. And ultimately, the, uh, the passing game is not dynamic enough. When you run the ball as poorly as the Steelers did, there's no play-action threat. And, I mean, think about this. The Steelers are averaging... yards per pass that's what they averaged last night 37 pass attempts for 177 yards is really really bad for the pittsburgh steelers so i think the bills are the better team there i don't think the steelers have much of a chance personally injuries on defense no ability to run the football very unstealer like dynamic uh with their team this year And so I think the Steelers are going to uh, maybe lose in the first round of the playoffs, depending on who the matchup is. But I don't like their odds to be a legitimate AFC contender. That's one big takeaway. Chiefs continue to play down to the level of competition. They get up double digits. They allow the Dolphins to come back and make somewhat of a game of it. Patrick Mahomes, three interceptions. The Chiefs are still able to win. Chiefs are by far, the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. I'm to the point now where I would take the Chiefs over every other NFL team combined. The Saints got down 17-0, fought their way back, weren't able to come all the way back. Jalen Hurts gets a win. But the Saints now come back against the Chiefs. I think this was a little bit of a look-ahead game. I think it was time probably for the Saints to lose a game, Without Drew Brees, it was crazy that they were 8-0 without him. Taysom Hill wasn't the reason that they lost this game. But it is intriguing now that the Packers are going to be in incredible shape because they got another win. They handled the Lions. They weren't spectacular. Aaron Rodgers took some shots. But you look at this uh, Packer team right now. Panthers coming to town. That should be a Packer win. Bears to close out. That should be a Packer win. But Titans coming to town. I feel like that's a big Sunday night football game. Two days after Christmas, can the Packers win their final three? Because if they do, they're going to get a week off. And then they're going to make every team come through Lambeau. And we know right now that you're not going to have a typical home field advantage. Crowds, even if you have a crowd, not going to be substantially loud, not going to be anything like you usually see in the playoffs. So what is the home field advantage going to be? It's either, hey, the Saints are going to be able to play in a dome, and they're built to be able to play indoors, speedy on that indoor track, or you got the Packers bringing everybody up to the frigid tundra of Lambeau Field, even without crowds present, that is a monstrous home field advantage. And so, to me, that is pretty incredible. And by the way, I think the same thing is true of the Chiefs. Do you really think somebody's going to go on the road and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead? Because I don't. I don't think anybody's going to beat the Chiefs, but I certainly don't think they're going to do it going to Kansas City. So I think this year, whoever gets the bye, there's only one bye, it's going to be pretty massive in terms of being able to get everybody rested, and then depending on where your team is based, being able to take advantage of the home field outdoor scenario to try to fight your way to the Super Bowl. So those are the biggest takeaways. Now we got another big game tonight, the Ravens and the Browns, and that'll help to solidify the playoff picture in the AFC. But already, again, I think that the Chiefs should be considered such a substantial favorite that it's hard for anybody to be able to catch them. And if you're wondering right now, what does the playoff picture look like? I mean, I think it's a a very interesting scenario as you try to play it out and look through the playoffs. Right now, Kansas City would get your bye week because the Steelers have lost. I think the Steelers are going to lose potentially two more games. In fact, if you really wanted to sketch out a crazy scenario, it would be this. The Browns are playing tonight against the Ravens. If the Browns beat the Ravens, then there is a decent chance that with the Giants next week for the Browns and the Jets the week after, that if they beat both of those teams in New York, the Browns have to go to New York or New Jersey, technically, for those of you on the East Coast who pay enough attention to it, the Browns will have to play the Giants and the Jets. If they can get the Ravens tonight, there's a very good chance that the Steelers would be coming to town against the Browns with the AFC North on the line. Because I think if you look at this Steelers' schedule, the Steelers are wounded right now. And next week, okay, they're probably going to get healthy. They should be able to beat the Bengals because the Bengals are awful. But then you've got the Colts coming to town, and that's going to be a huge game for the Colts because the same day that the Colts go to the Steelers, the Titans go to the Packers, And these two teams are still tied in the AFC South. And so both those teams want to be able to host a home playoff game. And that's probably going to be the week that I would expect this thing gets decided. And if that ends up happening, then I think there's a good chance the Colts beat the Steelers. And then the Steelers could be on the road against the Browns having to win to win their division. Or they fall into the uh into the playoff mix uh with the wild card. That's pretty wild. I don't think a lot of people have even sat around and thought about that because all the talk has been about the Steelers being the overall number one seed and whether they could hold off the Chiefs. I'm telling you, the Steelers need to be concerned about whether or not they can hold off uh, the Browns. Because if the Browns win tonight, that AFC North race is a hundred percent a legitimate one, a legitimate one. Coming down the stretch run. So if you're wondering right now, Chiefs your one seed, Steelers your two seed, Bills your three, Titans are your four, then the Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, and the Miami Dolphins are your three wild card teams, with the Ravens, who again play tonight against the Steelers on the outside looking in, and with the rapidly collapsing uh Vegas Raiders on the outside looking in as well. And those are the only teams I would say that really have any argument that they're going to be able to make the playoffs at all. In the NFC, new number one seed, as I was just talking about, the Green Bay Packers potentially forcing you to come through Lambeau Field. Right now, the Saints have fallen to the two seed. And remember, they have to play the Chiefs this weekend. So that is not exactly an easy draw. The Rams kind of floating around out there, not getting a lot of attention. Right now with the tie break, three to go, sitting at nine and four. The Washington football team, did you see Chase Young and his speed on that fumble pickup as he went down the sideline? Look, Ron Rivera's squad is playing really well. Now, Alex Smith is injured. Dwayne Haskins came in. What exactly is going on there uh, going forward from a health perspective is a good question. But Washington is not going to be an easy out anymore with the way that their defense is playing. Then you've got Seattle. That would be a whale of a game, honestly, I think, if Seattle had to go on the road against Washington in the first round of the playoffs. Then you got Tampa Bay. We didn't even hardly talk about Tampa Bay getting a, uh, a big win over the Vikings to kind of set things back in decent shape. And if you look at the Bucs' season, uh, the Falcons, who gave away a game against the Chargers, and then they've got the Lions and they've got the Falcons again, Decent chance, I would say, that the Bucs can get to 11-5. and But the Bucs, very good shape to make the playoff. And then the Arizona Cardinals back in the playoffs right now with the rapidly fading Bears and the Vikings, who lost a tough one uh, on the outside looking in. So that's where we are. We'll break down more of the NFL here coming up next. Sean Merriman sliding into the show. And then we're going to talk about the shoe heard around the world and why that was one of the dumbest plays I have ever seen to close out here in a bit i appreciate all of you hanging out with us encourage you to go download the podcast make sure you don't miss a single second of the show you can search out my name clay travis or outkick and we'll be here for you every single day monday through friday this is outkick on fox sports radio
0: this is outkick the coverage with clay travis
1: auto parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do it yourself and you can find what you need in store or online stop by o'reilly auto parts today or visit us at o'reilly slash two pros that's o'reilly slash two pros hey guys it's matt jones drew franklin from the
3: fade this podcast we got a great episode coming up picks in all the sports football basketball we do them all but here's a preview of this week's episode nothing to do with anyone personally but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds are like, you know, who's to really Creighton? You do watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton.
2: Join this Monday, as we always are, by Sean Merriman, Lights Out himself. You can check out the Lights Out podcast on the iHeart Podcast Network. Sean, your boys got a win. Uh, I, I mean, they had to beat the Falcons, which uh, you know makes a lot of sense. Sorry for the Atlanta sports fans out there. Uh, but that was a uh, pretty incredible uh, final win there, For uh, especially considering the way the first half ended. Pretty crazy ending.
4: Yeah, and you know what? This game shows that they can finish, you know, when they have to. And, you know, you talk about four or five games this year, that if they wouldn't have that type of finish, this is a completely different season for the Chargers. And, you know, being a, a player on the team, you're going to look after the season. You're going to look and see all the games you dropped, and you lost by seven points or less, and then you look at the Falcons game and say, guys, we could get this done, but we're just we're not executing. So that, that comes from the top.
2: We're talking to Sean Merriman. I want to get into a bunch of NFL stuff. I wanted to start with the Chargers there so I didn't forget it. But I saw a video you put out, and obviously there are so many different impacts in the world of sports and uh, and, and certainly uh, with with all the shutdowns and the lockdowns and everything else. But you put out something that I thought was an important message, and you were talking about all the small business owners out there who own gyms, maybe are trainers that are being shut down and how they need help because they're not being able to run their business uh and and I thought it was well said and I want to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, get that message out there to a lot of our listeners this morning uh as they start off their mondays.
4: Yeah, uh so you know the video that basically put out was uh a lot of the, the gyms that are, are not getting funded right now because of the pandemic and I want to make this clear. It, I know it's serious and <laughs> You know, it, it, it's something that you can't take lightly, and people are dying and getting sick and things like that. So that's that's the number one. But number two, uh, gyms are five times more likely to, to, to go under here in the next few months than restaurants. I mean, it, it's that bad. So, uh, I'm trying to get people to go out and sign the the gym coalition uh, so Congress can get them the money because that's they need it. You know, more importantly, and it's going to be over you know two three thousand gyms, uh, local gyms closing here in the next you know next sixty days.
2: And it's wild because there are so many people out there that aren't being able to run their business. And they may have worked for years to have that gym open. And I know this is something for you as as an athlete. I mean, you guys are working out, you know, typically not in your big, large gyms, which are obviously struggling too. But you have a lot of different guys that you work out with that rely on that ability to bring in individual clients to be able to work with them. And people are struggling all over the country in that line of work.
4: A hundred percent. And another thing that I always try to tell people is the reason why a lot of people go to the gym, especially myself, is it's a, uh, you know, it's a mechanism to cope with everything's going on. I mean, you know, yep. a have bunch, a bunch of mental health issues is, <clears throat> that's going on and uh, a lot of you know, depression, anxiety, and all these things that the gym helps. And it's it's a, it's a scientific fact, it's proven. And, you know, they're closing this thing down. They wonder why the mental health rating suicides are up for the last nine months where you can't close down gyms and tell people that they can't go and be healthy. That that just doesn't make any sense.
2: It's well said and uh, and mental health is often very much connected to physical health and like you said, if you can't get out there and be able to work out it becomes a substantial issue so I wanted to give you an opportunity to make that uh, if people want to know more about that they can go follow you on Twitter right I saw your videos up there they can track down any of that information uh, much less significant in the grand scheme of things but something that we all love the NFL which is what you come on uh, primarily to talk about let's dive into a lot of what we saw the Chiefs if I told you right now and I've asked this question several weeks in a row of a lot of different guests but if I told you right now the Chiefs Or the rest of the teams in the NFL combined? Who would you take, the Chiefs or the rest of the NFL? Because I just see them as such a better team right now than anybody else. It seems like they can play to whatever level they need to in order to win. How good are they and what do you anticipate?
4: Well, for one, they're the most explosive team in football. Um, You know, they didn't start the game off, you know, red hot against Miami, but they can score at any given point. You got, you know, Sammy Watkins, who Hasn't made a whole lot of noise lately, but comes out and plays extremely well. Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, I mean, you just go around the board. They're the most explosive team in football. It's not one person on their offense who wouldn't be considered one or two top best in their position in the National Football League. So, you know, yes, Pittsburgh is one of the most balanced teams, and you know, you uh, have other teams out here. Seattle's balanced and looks good. But as far as explosiveness and, you know, the scariest team to face and play right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you stop them? What
2: if you if you were a defensive coordinator? Let's take you back to when you were playing, but now you're a defensive coordinator, and you have to scheme for them in the playoffs. How do you beat Patrick Mahomes and this offense? What do you do to them? How do you challenge them the best in your mind?
4: Well, you know I, I've said this, and you know anytime you have a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you Keep the pressure on them. And one of the plays that happened uh, earlier today was the 15- or 20-yard sack I think he had. One thing about Paxton Holmes is he's a great quarterback. He always has to be great. So there's some things you can do to take away from him. You know, start making him make those bad decisions. You don't ever see him doing that. But if you can get two or three of those a game and make him throw, you know, a few more interceptions and turnovers and get the ball back out of their hands, because you know they're going to score at some point. Every time they touch the ball, they have an opportunity to score. So if you know that's the case, then keep the ball out of their hands. And that would, that would be my strategy going in to play those guys.
2: When you look at uh, at the NFC, you had this, the, the Saints go on the road and lose against the Eagles. How much of that do you think was the Saints maybe looking ahead? And how significant do you think that loss could end up being?
4: Well, it could be very significant, but you know I don't think they were looking ahead. I think that they wasn't completely ready for Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Um, you know he hasn't played a ton early on, and whenever you don't have a lot of film on guys and you don't know what their strengths are or what their weaknesses at certain points, you know then you don't really know what to go and expect from them. Now today he was throwing a lot of uh, quick stuff and out routes and check downs and things like that. But that can win football games for the Eagles. So. I don't don't necessarily think that they started looking past the Eagles, but I definitely think that Jalen Hurts was a a matchup nightmare because they haven't got a lot of film on him just yet.
2: We're talking to Sean Merriman, Lights Out Podcast. encourage you to go listen to it, part of the iHeart Podcast Network. Uh, When you look at right now the Washington football team and Chase Young in particular – How good can he be, and who does he remind you of? Or is he like a unicorn where there's not even him? Like I watched him pick the ball up and roll down the left sideline, Sean, and I thought to myself, I'm not sure I've ever seen a defensive end who is that athletic. I mean, he was holding the ball like it was a loaf of bread, but he looked like a tight end, you know, like running down the field. Who would you compare him to, and how good can this dude be?
4: Yeah, he he's on the he's on the island by himself right now when it comes to just freakish ability. Um and we've seen a bunch of freaks in the league and a funny story my high school football coach was his teacher in high school. Oh wow. And uh So, so you've known always, about this guy for a while. Oh since he, since he was in high school and he would always tell me my my high school coaches who basically taught me most of what I know early on you know growing up playing football they would tell me say, this guy Chase Young like you know look out for him and I kept hearing about him year after year after year after and sure enough, you know, in Ohio State, I, I, his freshman, year, I said, this guy's not going to be around longer than three years. Period. He's he's going to be he's going to be gone. He's he's one of these guys that you see every you know ten or fifteen years. Um, you know, you look at like LeBron James of the world, or like just any any type of freakish athlete. They they come around. Every they just 10 don't they 10 don't 10
2: just don't years. exist. Like I always like to yeah, say, like uh, you know, like there aren't very many people who are built like LeBron James or Shaquille O'Neal, right? Like I used to right. love to talk about Shaq. Like how many people in the history of the world. Have ever been as big and as athletic as Shaq? It's possible, never, right? (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, if you go back and you think about the nutrition and the ability to be in perfect shape, like we are now, compared to you know uh, 50 years ago, even like there's no comparison to how much more athletic you can be thanks to all the, the training abilities and the knowledge that we have. But even just his physical body doesn't exist, right? There just aren't very many of him ever.
4: No, no, he, he's, you know, like I said, I, when I came in and, and people looked at me and they thought that I was a big linebacker and fast and all that stuff, and, you know, ten years, you know fast forward 10, 15 years later, you got Chase Young, and now I'm looking, you know, <laughs> like i well, average size linebacker or average size player, um, but, you know, he's one, of the, he's one of these guys, he came in the league early and he changed the game, you know, not just numbers-wise, but how his, uh, his teammates perceive him and the respect that he had. I mean, you can see when he walked on the sideline, He looks like a five or 10 year vet. He has that type of respect. So it's going to be fun to watch him, man, over these next uh, several years.
1: How
2: much
4: better can he get,
2: right? Because he's already freakish and dominant. And obviously, I think we talked about this with you a couple weeks ago. You never know how driven a guy's going to be, right? He's going to be one of the best defensive players ever. But to what extent is he obsessed with trying to become the greatest version of himself as opposed to just being great? Because as you know, sometimes the guys who are the most physical freakiest aren't the hardest workers because they don't have to worry about all of the details in the same way a guy who's trying to hang on to the league by his fingertips can, right? Uh, So we don't know. But if he really goes full bore and, 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 and goes after it, I mean, the the Washington football team has got a dude who's going to be, for the next six or seven years, maybe the best defensive weapon in the whole league.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll I'll go as far as saying this. The only thing that's going to prevent him from being great uh, all-time great is injury yeah and you know if he if he stays healthy you know because his mindset is there the physical uh, ability is already there but his mindset is there you can tell he you know watch him trace the football he chases the football uh from sideline to sideline he gets down the field he's picking the ball off he's you know picking up fumbles these things so the mindset to be great is there so the only thing that can stop a guy like that is is injury
2: Sean, I don't know if you saw the Florida player who threw the shoe, Uh, and I know we're talking about the NFL, but I'm curious. You don't have to tell me the guy's name, but what is the dumbest thing that one of your teammates ever did to cost you and your teammates a game? And what was the reception (laughs) like in the locker room after that happened?
4: Well, you know, I I, I never want to throw guys under the bus, but, you know, it's, it's one of these things. It was out in the open, and, and, it's you know, it was a 2006 playoff game at the end. We picked up the Patriots off, and, uh, you know, our safety, he doesn't go down. But that was, that was you know, like I said, he got caught in a moment. But, uh, you know, you take a knee, you go down, and, you know, <laughs> the game's over. You know, we yeah. go to the AFC Championship game or the next round or whatever. So, um yeah, that was the only thing I've never seen. We, we, you know, fortunately we never had guys to to do that. Maybe you know, if a, if a guy's towel dropped out of his pants or or something like that, he'll pick it up and throw it. But a, a shoe, you just know that's an automatic flag.
2: How difficult would that be, do you think? To be, I know it's college, so it's a little bit different than the pros. But how difficult of a locker room environment is that? You think walking back in for the Florida Gators after the way that game ended.
4: Well, you know, you you always get stuck in the middle of, of those situations because you, you you understand he's your teammate and you want to lift him up and not kick him while he's down. But at the same time, you're thinking like, what, what in the hell were you were you doing? Like, what? Why would you? What, you know? Why would you do that and cost us the the a penalty that way? So, um, I, I can promise you with some words said back in that locker room, guaranteed. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, and I, guys are probably you know knuckled up back there or the fight had to have been broken up for sure, hundred percent
2: uh last question for you as we come down the stretch run of the nfl i'm going to ask you this uh, because we only got three weeks left who do you expect to see in the super bowl so before the season started i said saints and i said chiefs and i'm going to stick with that prediction but now there's you know basically three games left for everybody i think you probably are going to say the chiefs and the afc who do you like coming out of the nfc or do you like the chiefs or do you think somebody's going to catch them
4: you no, know, I, I like the Chiefs, uh, for sure. I think they're, they, you know, you're to guarantee, but they're as much of a lock as there is in NFL. On the, in, in the NFC side, I, I like the Saints. Michael, I mean, uh, the Saints or the uh, uh, Seahawks, I'm sorry. Uh, the Seahawks. You know, I think that they have an option. I don't know what, what they are right now, one or two in that division now? Or, yep. Are they, are they two?
2: Well, they're, they're, yeah, they're second in the division right now. So uh, as we come down uh, the stretch run here, they're the five, but they get the uh, they get the Rams. I think the next to last week of the season in Seattle with a potential to try right. and make exactly. a statement there. And obviously, they lost a tough one that they should have won against the Giants, but bounced back and just absolutely destroyed uh, the Jets uh, yesterday. So you just like what you're seeing from Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, that group of uh, of playmakers.
4: I do, I do, and uh, you know DK Metcalf is one of my. You know, we just finished talking about Chase Young and freak athletes. You know, DK Metcalf is is uh, another favorite player of mine. So I, I just like what they're what they're doing up there. And you know, you can always count on Russell, you know, when it comes to time to make big plays and, and down the road in the stretch. And he has so much experience under pressure. Like I I just see them somehow, some way, you know, beating a couple of teams to get there and be in the NFC championship game and, and then going to Subo.
2: I think I said last question more than once, but this is the real last question. Tonight, actually a really good Monday night football game. Ravens going on the road against the Browns. Browns are sitting at nine and three feeling good about themselves. Ravens with the Cowboys pretty good. Division game in 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 Cleveland, as big of a game as they have had in Cleveland in a very long time. How do you see it coming out?
4: Uh, I like Cleveland. Um, you know, I think that right now the Ravens' defense isn't enough to stop that backfield that they have going on. Um, that one-two punch they have back there is, is, is something that we, you know, whenever whenever they execute in the, the running game like that, and they also play great defense, they're scary. And how they stumped over her, uh, Tennessee, who was also eight and three at the time, you're like, oh, yeah. look, these are two total different eight and three teams. These are not even the same teams we're, we're talking about here because so they're just Out- that much better. So I'm, I'm taking Cleveland in that one for sure
2: outstanding stuff my man we will talk to you next week listen to the uh, lights out podcast appreciate what you said about the gyms and all the people out there who need help hope you can go check out sean and find out how to help there as well appreciate my man
0: all right thanks a lot appreciate it this is outkick the coverage with clay
1: travis <laughs> <laughs> com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I tease
2: this coming out of Sean Merriman. We've obviously been talking a lot about the biggest stories of the day in the NFL. But I got to tell you, one of the all-time dumbest decisions made by any player I have ever seen happened at the end of the Florida LSU game. And I'm guessing most of you have seen the shoe toss LSU uh the, the the LSU winning by a foot i'm guessing most of you have seen the way that shook down but my goodness i can't even imagine being a florida player i mean that shoe toss and if you didn't see it uh LSU was on offense florida gets a tackle LSU is going to have to punt it's a tie game Florida has gone up and down the field all day. They were going to be in great shape to potentially get a game-winning field goal. Worst-case scenario, ideally, if you were a Florida fan there, the game goes into overtime. You figure you have the better offense. You're in great position. And then the tackle is made. And as the player gets up, uh, Marco Wilson, I believe, was his name. You can make sure that I got that name right uh, for you out there, Dub. He has a, a shoe that comes off on the LSU tight end that he's tackling. And he just throws the shoe probably 20 yards down the field. I mean, it was an absolutely crazy spot to be throwing the shoe as far as he did. Uh, and in that scenario, suddenly LSU gets a first down. They then bomb through a 57-yard field goal, which is even crazier and then they're in this ridiculous spot where Florida comes all the way back down, kicks a 51yard field goal, and in the process, they end up losing that game. And look, I think they would have lost to Alabama anyway. I don't think there's very much likelihood, if you look at the way that Alabama is playing, that there was, you know very, very much chance of Florida pulling off the upset. This is still one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. And what would be frustrating about it to me is it's not a play where you can excuse it away. By which I mean, hey, if you're trying to tackle somebody and you happen to catch their face mask by accident, that stinks and it would be awful to lose a game as a result of that. But you could foresee how such a thing could happen in that scenario. But to have it happen like this where it's totally a uh, an idiotic move, and it's it's such an idiotic move that I haven't seen anybody other than Dan Mullen actually come out and say uh, any kind of defense at all, although Dan Mullen spin zone incredibly. He said, uh, this is Florida's football coach, he made the tackle. I mean, part of the football move. The kid's shoe was in his hand. He kind of threw it, jumped and celebrated with his teammates. I don't think there was any intent to taunt. It wasn't like he was throwing it at their sidelines, but the way that the whole thing went down and uh and and the way that uh that that it all may well have ended not just Florida's chances to make the uh to make the playoff, but it might well have taken Kyle Trask out of the running to be the Heisman Trophy winner because if Kyle Trask has a really good game there, comes back down, gives Florida the chance to win the game, has kind of a signature Heisman moment, he might be in great shape to actually win the Heisman Trophy. Instead, not only is Florida probably out of the playoff running, but they're not even going to be in a position where, hey, you know at least if you win, you're guaranteed to be in the playoff. I think things probably have to break Florida's way in order for the Gators to get into the playoff now. And so even if they were to beat Alabama, which I don't think is very likely, but it had me thinking over the past two years, which was dumber? Was it the uh, shoe throw or was it last year, if you remember, Elijah Wilson, the Ole Miss peeing incident that ended up getting flagged as a celebration and then Ole Miss misses the field goal? And I was actually sitting around debating between the two, which was actually a dumber play, which was worse. And ultimately, I got to say, first of all, I I can't even imagine what it's like to be in the locker room. And I'll ask Joel Clatt about this. You just heard me asking uh, Sean Merriman about it. But I got to say, I do think that the Elijah uh, Moore peeing incident with the Egg Bowl last year between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, if you didn't see that, the Ole Miss receiver scores and then pretends to be a dog peeing on a fire hydrant, which was a celebration made popular by A.J. Brown, who's now the Titans wide receiver, uh, which was uh, ended up costing Ole Miss the game and ended up costing Mississippi State's head coach uh, his job and ended up costing uh, Matt Rule his job at Ole Miss. So maybe at Ole Miss, you're now happy because you got Wayne Kiffin as a result, but the, the fact that both of those plays have happened basically in uh, a little over a year is pretty wild. And they're two of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. But I'm going to give Marco Wilson a little bit of a pass here because the shoe throw was not premeditated, whereas the end zone peeing celebration was 100% premeditated. Like you had to think about the fact that you were going to do that whereas the shoe, to Dan Mullen's credit, it was just a moment of exuberance where really what you should have done is just drop the shoe instead of throwing it, but it's not like you're planning to be in that scenario. Can you think of a dumber play than the peeing incident, Dub? And would you agree with me that both of these stories are utterly ridiculous? Maybe only could happen in the SEC type stories, Uh, but at least the Marco Wilson story There's no way it could have been premeditated.
3: Yeah, no way it could be premeditated. And the SEC, you're so right. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. When I saw the Egg Bowl last year, first of all, I thought it was like just totally – it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, just how that situation unfolded. But then this weekend with Florida, I mean, that – to me, that takes the cake just because of the situation. The
2: the circumstances of the Florida situation – there's so much more at stake, right? The Egg Bowl matters for people who are in Mississippi. Like like rivalry games matter in that state if you're a member of that fan base. But most people didn't care. That was two bad teams playing in Mississippi. And so it matters a great deal inside that state or for anybody who's an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State fan. This could fundamentally alter the trajectory of the college football playoff. Because I'm not really sure if Florida won now I don't know. Alabama's in the playoff, right? And we talked about that some in the first hour. I'm not sure that even at 9-2, and two, Florida would be in the playoff. And if they aren't, then that decision may well have kept them out of the playoff. And it 100% may have cost Kyle Trask the Heisman. So we're talking about a pretty monumentally massive play not just in that Florida-LSU rivalry and not just in that Florida-LSU game, but for all of the ripple effect that that sets off around college football. And I actually feel bad for Marco Wilson because I can't imagine what it's like to have a mistake like that that's going to really probably be the play that he's remembered for more than any other for years, decades, 20, generation Of Florida football fans are never going to forget that play. And for LSU and Coach O, what an incredible win in a season where it felt like LSU was totally lost. Suddenly they go on the road and beat Florida in a massive upset as a 20 plus point underdog. It's incredible. All right, we come back, top of the third hour of the program. We're going to dive back into a big win for the Bills and also the NFL picture in general, plus. Fox's lead college football analyst, Joel Klatt, scheduled to join us. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I am Clay Travis. This is Out Kick the Coverage
0: on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.